0: Well, hey, good morning. good morning. All right, good deal. We are, uh, well, you know what? Before I get started, let's just throw up a couple of pictures. So uh, how many of you noticed that uh, the ground has been worked on this past week? Have you noticed that? All right. So, uh Yeah. We've been uh, beginning to move some earth, beginning to uh, get it graded out to the right levels and all that stuff before we can get going there. And so the next couple of weeks are doing that and uh, we're excited about it. If you haven't noticed, we've already taken down some trees uh, along the highway there. So now you can see it a little more clearly. There's a nice little opening. Uh, we're beginning to make some movement and some progress there. We're excited. we got a couple more photos. You want to throw another one up here? So well, we got some big bad tractors out there. Yeah. I asked Laura to please get at least one mighty tractor shot, right? So, uh, and then the last shot here, this is uh, an awesome view of the property kind of standing and looking back towards our tree line. You're looking across the parking lot and what will be the building and just kind of clearing that all out. You'd be amazed how flat that property already is. It's really cool how uh, this has kind of already been prepared to be a church, even though it sat there for whatever, 30 years with brush on it. It's time to get some worship going there. Amen? Yeah. So uh, we actually went out there, Jonna and my daughter Megan and I went out there. Alyssa was at a, a flute lesson, uh flute practice. So we were out there on Thursday night, about 7.30, 7.45 at night, standing pretty close to where that picture was at, that last picture. And uh, two bucks came running, yes, two bucks came running out of the corn, across in front of us, about 60 yards away, down over to the pine trees and dipped down in. We have bought the right property. <laughs> All, right. All right, enough said. Okay, we uh, we are we're in a series called authentic community authentic community It's not just community It's not just you know trying to do a little bit of this community or we kind of got the community, right? It's authentic community It's what does god really want from us and about us as we run after him. What is biblical? community it's our opportunity to build a life That truly honors him. I just wrote a few things down here. It must start with, it must start with going vertical first and foremost. Relationship with him. We covered that last week. If it's not about him first, well, then it's not authentic. It's gotta start with our power relationship with Jesus Christ. Vertical. Uh, Another phrase that we pulled up from last week. If we walk in the light, as he is in the light, well, that's when we have fellowship. One with another. If we know him, well that's when we really have the true fellowship. If we abide in him, these are the phrases that are calls and cries for a vertical, first and foremost. We must run to our God and dive to his feet, showing absolute humility, bringing him the glory, depending on him with all we've got. A vertical church is an on-fire church. And the more we grasp a relationship with Jesus Christ, and the more we grasp being with Him and celebrating Him, the more we're going to see this place just light up. Amen? That's what we're going after, an authentic community. So, let's just say it this way. Our target is not to be the byproducts. You know, like, really good relationships with one another. That's a great thing, but that's a byproduct. Our target is absolutely, first and foremost, to be the primary, which is a relationship with God Almighty. Let's go vertical with all we've got and all the rest. The byproducts get handed over to us. Newsflash, just so you know, if you go after the byproducts, all you get is the byproducts you go after. But if you go vertical, it all comes. That's where we're headed. Authentic community. So we're running hard after God. We're loving God with all we've got. Well, question, how do we love God? How exactly am I supposed to do that? Yeah, that's what we're answering today in 1 John chapter 2, verses 1 through 6. How do I love God? Two phrases before we get going. You've heard this first one. Love is an action word. It's not a feeling. Have you heard that before? No. Have you heard that phrase before? Love is an action word. Well, you just heard it now. Have you heard that before? There we go. Love is an action word. So in other words, I'm not asking, get some warm fuzzies for Jesus. Like That's not what we're talking about, okay? It's not about this inside emotion. Yes, emotions can come along with it, byproduct. But that's not what we're going after. It's, Lord, may I truly show myself to be loving you indeed, in action, okay? Here's another one I'm pretty sure you haven't heard. Love is established not so much by fervent promise but by repeated deeds. Not so much by fervent promise, but by repeated deeds. How often have we tried to love by just continuing to voice some sort of commitment when really it's time to just roll up the sleeves and go after it? Do you know what I'm talking about? So today we're talking about an action-based love as we go vertical. May God be shown off and glorified. So how do we do that? Well, we do what First John 2, 1 through 6 says. we got ushers coming forward. They've got some Bibles in their hands. And uh, if you need a Bible, just raise your hand. They'll get one to you, okay? We're going to be in First John 2, 1 through 6. Just raise your hand, and the ushers will get one to you. So how do we love God? First step here. Depend on him. He is there for you in your sin. Depend on him. He is there for you in your sin. Check out starting in chapter 2 verse 1 It says my little children I am writing these things to you so that you may not sin But if anyone does sin we have an advocate with the father jesus christ the righteous He is the propitiation for our sins and not for ours only but also for the sins of the whole world My little children, that's how he starts This is actually one greek word and it means My little ones That's the literal. Okay. Some of you may have a version that says my dear children. Okay. The word dear is actually not in it, but it's sort of implied. The phrase that was used there was this term of endearment as someone called their little children to them. It's come here. My little ones. He's got this sort of a, I've been watching over and I've been helping you and I've been seeing you grow. And I'm so excited about what's going on. And let me share a little bit more about what I'm excited about with you. My little children. I am writing these things to you so that, purpose statement, so that you may not sin. I am writing these things, the book of 1 John, so that you may not sin. His starting point is to say, hey, I got a goal. Let's go for perfection. Let's go after that one. That's what I'm talking about. Let's go for the may not sin. Okay? Now, the first response that everybody has in their mind when they're thinking about it is, Seriously right like really that's what we're going to go for Well, what happens in the next minute when somebody has a bad thought what happens when well he uses the next word to help that but Right, can you hear it? It's like hey, this is our target And and I know we're not going to hit necessarily on that. So here's some alternative opportunities for you, but If anyone does sin Know this right? We have an advocate with the father jesus christ the righteous we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. In actuality, he's describing a courtroom here. And he's using some courtroom terms. So we've got God the Father is sort of in the position of judge. Okay? God the Father is sitting in his position of judge. Jesus Christ, he's the advocate. He's like the defense attorney. All right? And he's sort of standing off to the side. You can picture him with his hand on the table listening. Right? And then there's this prosecuting attorney, Satan. And he's stepping into accuse. Did you see that guy? Are you kidding me? Look at that sin. How many times are you going to let him do that? I mean, did you see that attitude? What's up with that? Look what's going on here. Right? And then Jesus Christ, with his hand on the table, standing there, just says, objection. Right? And they look over and he says, that guilt is paid for. That one is mine. This is what's going on over And over and over for you and me. Jesus Christ is our advocate before God the Father, the Judge. We might say, well, what privilege does he have to be the advocate? Why would he stand in that position? Look at his title. Jesus Christ, right? Like he is the Messiah. He is the one who is spoken of in the prophecies of the Old Testament. He will be the reigning king for all eternity. He's the one whose God's hand is on. This is our king. That's why. Title. Jesus Christ. Oh yeah, a little bit more. Let's talk about his character. The righteous. You see, he says, if you sin, like if you're not righteous... The one who is righteous is standing at the table, ready to defend, saying, I've got you covered. That's our king. Amen. Amen. We have an advocate with the father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. Wow. Like what a privilege do we have in him? What a relationship we can have with him that he offers eternity of defending and being by our side. And covering us with his shed blood. That's our Savior. Notice he says a little bit right after that. He is the propitiation for our sins. Wow, that's a big word. Like, let's get t-shirts and say propitiation across the front of it, right? Everybody be like, what does that mean? I don't even want to know. Don't tell me. Right? Propitiation. It means replacement payment. Maybe another way to say it. It means atoning sacrifice. What's the word atoning mean? Okay, so it means restoring sacrifice. It means covering your debt and bringing you in. Restoring you to him through his payment. Restoring sacrifice. That's who Jesus Christ is. He paid for you and for me what he did not owe, but he paid willingly and lovingly and passionately as he reached out to say, you are mine. That's our king He is the propitiation Okay, now let's get into a little bit of a tough phrase for our sins Not for ours only but also for the sins of the whole world. It says there now be careful See, this is where some people like to read little parts of scripture and then set it down Okay, and so like see I told you he died for the whole world And if he's the propitiation for the whole world if he's got the replacement payment for the whole world then everybody's saved Is that what that means? We better be careful when we read one verse out of scripture. Probably the biggest reason why your devotion shouldn't be one verse long. Because when you read one verse, you might come to a really bad solution. Okay? So, well, how do we know what this really means? Well, check out another verse that has the same word in it. World. Okay? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. See, I told you he's the propitiation for the whole world, Right? That whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. You see, it is about belief and confession. We see it in John three sixteen. We see it in Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. We see it in Romans 10, 9 and 10. Be careful. Let scripture define scripture. Don't just read one verse and jump off. This phrase is saying, let me tell you something. It's not just about the Jews being able to be saved. There are people throughout the whole world that are accepting the Savior and coming to him. Life eternal. Him, the propitiation for both Jew and Gentile. Wow. God's got a real solution. And the promise of Abraham is being fulfilled. That all nations can be blessed through him. There are people who are coming to know him. And this salvation, which is, it does involve the election and choosing of our God, Ephesians 1 and and Romans 8, but it also involves our responsibility in believing and confessing and Romans 10 and Ephesians 2. And, And we put those two side by side and say, that is how to describe salvation the best. It's a strong statement of election and our responsibility. And they come together. How does that work, Tim? I don't know. I'll ask God when I get there. Right like there's people who've tried to give explanations and there are some very plausible explanations And i'm not going to go into trying to explain what god didn't take the time to he just told they both exist That's where we're at So know this We have a propitiation available and we have it applied To those that are believing in him To those that are elect according to his Calling it's an amazing privilege That we have in him propitiation Propitiation Salvation. Advocate and protector. Him coming alongside of us. What a gracious, powerful God we have. Amen? We can draw life from Him. We can live in Him. We can literally depend on Him with all we've got. Or we can keep trying to muscle it ourselves. Okay? So, my wife and I, you know, we were homeschooling and, uh, we we're, this is a number of years ago now. And some questions came up about what it means to trust in God and what it means to have life in him. And John had a great idea. So she picked up some scissors. I've told this story once before a couple years ago, but we'll use it here. She picked up the scissors, walked over, clips a leaf off, okay, and sets it down on the countertop or whatever it was and leaves it sitting there. And the thought is, you know, it's going to turn brown pretty fast, right? And she says, bottom line, when it's separated from the vine, life is not going to be drawn from And this little leaf is doomed, right? And it's a great John 15 story. And so we came back the next day and, man, that leaf was nice green. And so we came back the next day and green. And the next day and green. And the next week, green. And the next week, green. Five weeks, man. That thing was awesome looking. And it's like, I don't think you know what you're talking about, right? Right. And then all of a sudden it just immediately started to shrivel up and turn brown and went stiff and got all hard You could touch it and it would just break apart five weeks. It took and here is the deal This was an awesome lesson for me and jana as well Because what did we learn? When you separate when you're not depending upon him Hey, you might be able to go a long time without really being able to see the outward results of it But let me tell you you are losing fast And the energy you're drawn from him. It's an amazing privilege we have. And it just slowly might drift away. Where all of a sudden we can't. You know you're sitting there going. I don't even know if I. I don't even know if I believe in this Christianity thing. I don't know if I get what's going on in the Bible. It doesn't really have any power in my life. And I. Well are you separated from the vine? Or are you depending on him with all you've got? How many of us as Christians. Are running in and out of the church partially depending on him at best and not really saying Lord you're my advocate you're my savior you're my propitiation you have my heart I'm leaning on you with all I've got depend on him lean on him don't be disconnected from him you'll be amazed at the impact in your life so how do we love him? well first and foremost is depend on him second Obey Him. His commands lead us into perfecting love. Obey Him. His commands lead us into perfecting love. Notice that it says there in verse 3, And by this we know that we have come to know Him if we keep His commandments. And by this we may know that we know Him if we keep His commandments. I just want to say this. Think of this phrase as we're going through this segment, okay? Living in response. I was uh, at a lunch on Friday, and this topic came up, and this phrase came up. Living in response. Like, make sure we understand that this isn't God with some big finger wagging saying, just obey, right? This is a, you wouldn't believe who he is. Look at the first two verses. Look at what he's doing for us. Look at all that God is, and all the love he's pouring out, and, hey, newsflash, it's time for us to live in response to that. Okay, do we have the right mindset? Do we have the right mindset? Living in response, are we ready? All right, here we go. Got some hot uh, heads nodding, we're ready to go. Here we go, verse three. By this we know that we have come to know him. Assurance of relationship. And by this we know that we have come to know him. Assurance of relationship if we keep his commandments. We feel a lot more solid in our walk with him when we're walking with him. Duh, right? So wait newsflash. I came to church to find out the church is pretty serious about people obeying god Wow, like i'm rocked, right? Like big surprise What's so new about that? Right. So here's the real question. So how are we doing? With our attitudes You know when we're thinking about somebody that kind of bothers us and they're doing things the wrong way And how are we doing about whining about them? Complaining about them or how are we doing about just exploding in anger when something didn't go our way? Or maybe how are we doing with Stealing taking something we shouldn't be taking whether it be credit Or even something out of somebody's locker at school or something at work How are we doing with that? Or maybe a boyfriend or a girlfriend and the relationship you have there that you know is not honoring to him Let's get practical about it if we keep his commandments I mean, we're talking in every facet of our lives. How are we doing, moms and dads, at modeling Christ in our home as we discipline and as we live our lives in the Word and caring for each other? Let's make sure that we walk out of here not going, yeah, I kind of knew that, and we instead change it to, but am I doing that? Let's go after doing that and see what he's got for us, okay? Notice it says right after it, if we keep his commandments, right, then he says in verse four, whoever says, I know him, but does not keep his commandments is a liar. Yow, a little bit of name calling, right? It's like, well, if you're saying what's obviously not true, it must be a lie. It's the same as what we saw last week in chapter one, right? If you are with the one who is light, yet you're walking in darkness, eh, not true right? Like, let's make sure we're being real about what we're doing. And if we say we know him, and if we say we're about knowing him, we're going to be obeying him. We're going to be following where he wants us to go and doing what he wants us to do. John chapter 15, verse 10 says, if you keep my commandments, you abide in my love. You see, commandments sound really cold to us. And quite frankly, they sound like giant fence lines that are no fun. But the bottom line is commandments are rooted in the middle of love, a care. It's living in and drawing life from in the midst of God's plan for life. James McDonald had a phrase. He said, commandments, it's not don't, it's don't hurt yourself. You hearing it? It's not don't it's don't hurt yourself the commandments of here Let's walk this way and not that way are I want the best for you And I want you to glorify me the best and you won't believe The pain that's there if you go down that path and don't go that way and let's go over here and That's what we're talking about obeying him With all we've got because god's got an amazing plan with an amazing opportunity to glorify him in the end. It says, whoever says, I know him, but does not keep his commandments as a liar. And the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word, in him truly the love of God is perfected. In him truly the love of God is perfected. If you take his word and you walk by it. May we run hard after what we see in scripture. May we simply say, Lord, what do you have for me? Where do you want me to go? What do you want me to address in my thinking or in my acting or in my behaving? How do you want me to go about being about you from your word? And if we do it, it says his love will be perfected in us. It's that idea we talked about last week of stepping out of the shadows and into the sun and going like this. And we begin to tan, right? It's the same thing like lord. I'm stepping into your love. I'm stepping into your glory I'm stepping into your grace and you're pouring out on me like i've never seen before and that love Well, that love's a perfecting love That love changes us From the inside out Sin going out of our lives is not something we muscle as a human being It won't work Did you know that? You're like, well, then why am I trying? I don't know Like, stop it. I'm telling you, if you just sit there trying to control it, it's nothing but a humanistic endeavor. And in the end, all you did was shape behaviors for a moment in time. But the heart, well, the heart's not changed. And so the sin's coming back. But God... With his glory pouring into you and his glory pouring over you and his love perfecting you literally is like a surgery removing the muck and throwing it away and you literally don't have it anymore and it's gone and you're growing in him. Second Corinthians three says to grow in his glory. It basically says from one degree to the next as we become more like him. That's our privilege of let God work in you That's where the victory's at. Come to him and pour into him and let him pour into you and just bask in his unbelievable glory. That's the privilege of change. Man, we work so hard to try to change ourselves. And God's standing there with a surgery tool that you need. It's time to go under the divine knife of his perfecting love that cuts out that which needs to go and keeps that which needs to stay. And you become the you that he's designed you to be. That's what we're talking about. Notice that he says right after it, whoever keeps his word in him truly, the love of God is perfected. By this we may know that we are in him. Now we have assurance of position. Before it was assurance of relationship. Now it's assurance of position. Know that you are in him. You can be sure of that. How? Whoever says he abides in him, Ought to walk in the same manner in which he walked If you want to know if you're in him take a look at your feet Take a look at your hands Take a look at your head and your thinking and your heart and where it wants to be and It's going to give you a pretty good indicator and That's where we need to be now this word ought I got to tell you I hate the word (laughs) But for a different reason because we misuse it today We try to should people into everything Did you notice that like it's guilt it's shame. I you should be doing this, right? Oh now i'm motivated to go after it Like that's not what motivates what motivates is looking ahead and seeing the opportunity of glorifying god almighty of experiencing change Of being with him and experiencing something you've never experienced before we have a privilege out ahead of us run After it with all you've got and i'm telling you if you want to know if you're in him You're going to be walking with him That's how this ought connects it together. Our comfort in knowing that we're in him is we're seeing God work in us. Notice he says, whoever says he abides in him. What's the word abide mean? Well, it means to draw life from. It means to live in. It means to have relationship with. To abide in him. To hear his words and he hears yours. To relate to one another. Abiding in him How do I abide in him? All right top four ways to abide in him Number one Humble confession Like lord i'm wrong for where i'm standing. and I need to let go of it I understand who you are and where you're headed and I got it Wow, do I get it? Please forgive me for humble confession Okay It gets things started off right Uh, You're God and I'm not. Right? Humble confession. Second, approach the word expectantly and regularly. Uh, Approach the word expectantly and regularly. Go after your time alone with him. And look for him to speak to you through his word. The Holy Spirit illuminates and he convicts of sin and righteousness and judgment. We've got a chance to know our God and see him move in our lives in an amazing way. Why does he do any of this? not to control trust me he could already do that it's love it's loving you and lavishing upon you and having you meet him in the depths of your soul like you never have before you have a chance to go to him in that way you know well how do i do that regular the word thing i don't even know what to read and hey we got a reading plan for you have you noticed that so we put it out last week and we're going to keep doing this each week now uh, as we go through this series and probably just going to keep on going, doing it. Okay. If you look in the bulletin, there's a five day reading plan. Use it. Read what's in there for that day. They, they tie back to the message from this past week. So you're going to basically be looking at how God loves you and how you can love him all week long. That's where you're going to be at. Okay. And that's the five day reading plan for this week. It helps you to just get some focus. And maybe some of you are like, I need that. Great. There's the tool. Use it. All right. Great opportunity for you and we're going to have small group questions that are available off of one of those and those will get posted on a sunday afternoon and take advantage of those all right we might even post them a little earlier if somebody needs them that way but right now we're targeting sunday afternoon for today anyway all right so small group questions and a reading plan and take advantage of it it's a great opportunity for you so first is humble confession second is approach the word expectantly third is actively celebrate you know like singing and sharing I'm telling you, find a few worship songs that rock your world. I don't care what they are. I don't care where you got them from. I don't care what era they came from. I found this awesome song from the 1600s, and it just moves my soul. Then crank that bad boy. Do you know what I'm talking about? Like, I don't care where you get this song from, but if it's talking about who Jesus Christ is in your life, and it gets you moved and motivated and stirred, and it gets you reflecting back on him, use that song and worship him with all you've got. Celebrate Him in song. Celebrate Him in sharing. Hey, you know what I found this week as I was reading? I mean, there's a few of you in here that are just stellar at at sharing what you're reading and how it stirred you. And check check out this phrase. And, And then you come up and you share that phrase with me and I'm stirred. Like I'm moved. I love that. Just look for how God can stir you. Share with other people. This is what God's doing in me. What's He doing in you? And quite frankly, most people are like, I don't know, right? It's okay. It's all right. You just put your hand on the shoulder and go, well, find out, man. Let's get it going. Let's do this thing together. I'm telling you, he's rocking my world. And you become a stir and an energy and a fire to those around you. As people begin to go, well, then what's God doing with me? That's where we need to be headed as a church. Stirred to Jesus Christ. Running after him with all we've got. Not just a few of us, but all of us. Going after him with all we have. May we be abiding in him. So humble confession, approach the word expectantly, actively celebrate, and third is actively do what you're challenged with. Like I was reading the word, I was talking about watching your mouth, but I'm not doing that thing. I'm going to move on from that. Like I don't need that, right? And then you're not watching your mouth. And Well, whatever it is you're reading, whatever it is you're challenged with, get on that. And may the Lord work with you there and perfect you in his love. Remember, it's not don't, it's don't hurt yourself. That's our God. Run to him with all you have and follow after him. That's how to abide in him. Ought. It means there's a natural fruit to abiding. And it's this passionate obedience and this amazing blown away experience with God. We have a privilege of living in response to God. I'm telling you, we do a lot of counseling and we check with a lot of people throughout the week and I hurt for the hurting and I long for those who want to walk with him in passion and compassion. And my request to you is this, see sin as God sees sin. I know one statement my wife has made, which is a good one. I didn't even get permission to say this. So I'm now saying it. I may not say it at the 11. All right she just says this simple challenge look if you're in this habit sin that's going on over and over again and you just find yourself keep going there then say this the next time god i'm choosing to rebel i'm just going to do it because it feels good right now i'm on my own let's see how many times you say that and keep going down the path guess what you tend to stop the first time you might be like i choose to I'm just saying it. I'm going to do it anyway. Like I will. And right. And then by the second time you're like, I choose to, oh, forget this. This is just ridiculous. What am I doing? It really gives us a clarity to what we're going after. Lord, help me to set it down and honor you with all I've got. He's not saying don't. He's saying don't hurt yourself. See it as he sees it and go in that manner after him living in response our God loves us with all he's got. May we love him with all we have too. It's an amazing privilege. All right, illustration time. This illustration is here by popular demand. I don't know if I would have shared this illustration, but I will now. So this week on Monday, uh, I went out. It's Monday's my day off, right? Because I'm working over the weekend trying to get the sermon prepped. So on Monday, I go out and uh, I'm dialing in my crossbow. I'm getting it tight, Okay. So the crossbow is, I mean, it was I had it at 30 yards. I mean, I'm hitting a one-inch target. And for those of you who don't know what a crossbow is, it's a bow turned on its side that you can kind of shoot like a gun, all right? So I've got this crossbow dialed in tight. And I said, hey, babe, why don't you come out and shoot one, okay? So Jonna comes out, and uh, she shot it last year, so I knew she knew what was going on. And I just kind of watched and had her set it up. And uh, she squeezes, pulls the trigger, and, and it jumps. She goes, ow! And I go, come on, it didn't jump that hard, right? And then she holds up her hand. She goes, look, and there's blood running down her hand. Okay, Jana on the other side of the grip, had her thumb up. And so the string clipped the thumb at the end of it. All right, it's a typical failure for a crossbow. I did not see her thumb up. It's my fault, but I did not see her thumb up. So we were in the ER for four hours. It was a gash. And so she had to have a couple stitches and the nail reset right then it was bad so she was hurting go ahead and hold your thumb up <laughs> she's got a nice protector on it now all right so newsflash if you're shooting a crossbow keep your thumbs down okay all right do you think john is going to shoot a crossbow again yeah for those of you who know johnny you're like yes okay she will not back down from a fear do you think she'll have her thumb up again Right so when the pain's big enough, we don't do it question when we're in the middle of sin Why is it that we keep repeating the sin? What's going on? Think about it for a sec I think the answer is Because the payoff in the moment Is high enough that we go good enough for me And we walk away with it I think when there's pain we take the pain But but if the payoff is even higher than the pain in our estimation, then we'll just go with it You know what I mean? I think that's what's going on. And so we go running after sin and we're like, why are you doing that over and over again? And you're like, because the penalty is way later in time and I'm not feeling it right now. But man, am I feeling the payoff in the moment of this thing? And and so we keep going after it, whether it be the temper tantrum or, you know, whatever. Something we're doing sexually, whatever you're going after. Be careful. The payoff in the moment may have high gratification. But remember, God doesn't say don't. He's saying don't hurt yourself. Keep your thumb down. Okay? Be careful in what you do. When he's calling you to obedience, he's calling you to a wonderful relationship with him, a passionate relationship with him, where there is growth and glory and joy and hope, and there is privilege and honor, and your God has an awesome plan for you. My request to you is run with him. That's simple. obey him, and walk as he would walk. Know that you're with him and in him, and you have life with him. Our call? our call is to obey him. That's what love looks like. Our call is to depend on him. is to say, "Lord, I trust you to have me. I'm done. Let's do this thing and honor you. My simple question to you is this. What's your sin? What is your thumb up? Each of us have it, so get it. Just make sure you got it. Usually takes four seconds, so we probably all have it now. Okay, so now you know where you're struggling. Are you ready to say, Lord, this week it's going to be different? I'm going to lay it before you. I'm not sure exactly what that means even, Lord. I'm going to be figuring it out as I go, but please help me to see that I can honor you and hand this over and set it aside. Lord, I want to bask in your glory. Lord, I literally want to see your love pouring over me and perfecting me. Hand it to him. Be done with it. I'm done with mine. I'm trying to give it over. What does that mean? It means we're on a journey. That's what it means. Come on the journey with me as we literally say, God, you've got my attention. You've got my energy. May you be glorified. May I learn from you and bask in your glory. Are you ready? Ready to do it? Yeah. Let's go after it together. All right? Let's pray.